0: It's good to uh, be together in the presence of God, and uh, wow, don't you love His presence? And uh, yes, good. While I'm getting wired up, um, you may want to turn to Philippians. We're we're in Philippians again. We've been going through for a couple of months now and learning loads of stuff. And just to say, I was out with the kids last week, but I caught up online with um, Stacey. Your talk and. Phenomenal, Just absolutely phenomenal. I felt the teaching that came through was so helpful, so hitting the hearts. If you weren't here last week, uh, you need to hear that one, eh? Go online and listen to Stacey's talk. Very, very helpful for the first few verses of um, Philippians 4. Uh, We're going to be in Philippians 4 again. This must be your height from last week, I think. (laughs) Um, But turn to Philippians 4. We're going to be... Um, looking at um, a few verses there um, from verse 4. And um, the context of this letter is that um, Paul, as we know, has been writing this letter, and um, he's writing it to Christians going through real circumstances of life, stuff's hitting them, uh, things that concern them, difficulties, uh, even threatens their safety. And Paul is writing to them, uh, to say, keep your eyes on God, keep going, keep doing, be strong in God. And there's various things that we've been teaching over the weeks. Um, and what we need to understand is that Paul didn't just write this from a comfortable home, you know, put his feet up on the bed one day and just thought, ah, oh, let's just write some nice thoughts. Paul is writing this letter from prison, chained to a prison um, guard. and He's in discomfort himself. He's experienced all sorts of persecution, because he follows Jesus, and he's learned in that to come through. And so Philippians has been teaching us a lot about how we face real life stuff that happens to us. And uh, so today, I want to talk to you about a battle that is going on, a battle that's going on right now, and um, we'll read the verses in just a second, but uh, this is not An external battle. You may feel you're in an external battle. Stuff of life happens. Uh, You know, sudden uh, news of sickness hits you, or you know, a job situation suddenly becomes insecure. What you thought was secure for you suddenly gone. Security's gone. Maybe a relationship uh, has broken down. Maybe stuff has hit you and uh, it does affect us. But the battle I'm talking about is not an external battle. It's not even, uh, if you like, a spiritual or moral battle, which you could talk about and say, right now, in this nation and many nations of the world, it seems that everything that God has defined is being challenged. Whether it's issues of life and death, the start of life, the end of life. Whether it's marriage, whether it's sexuality. Everything seems to be challenged at the moment. I'm not talking about that sort of battle this morning. I'm talking about a hidden internal battle that Paul addresses. And if we are able to sort out and win through on an internal battle, it will prepare us for external battles and situations that we face. And so uh, what we're talking about here, of course, and we'll read the verses in just a second, is we're talking about a battle for our hearts and minds. That's the big issue, and as Christian believers, we need to know where we stand and where our hearts and minds stand, because it will equip us to hit other things outside, external things that we're not in control of, external things that trouble us and that hit us, and that can overwhelm us if our hearts and minds are right. Paul gives us some clues as to how you get through life's difficulties. And so Paul addresses this in these verses here. Let's read from uh, verse 4. So this is Philippians 4 from verse 4. I'm reading uh, in the uh, New International Version. I um, also like the um, New Living Translation, but we'll read it NIV this morning. From verse 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul addresses this internal battle inside of us Where he says in verse 6, do not be anxious or do not worry about anything. Worry is something we're all prone to. It's a very human response to situations that happen. And sometimes worry can cripple us. Ever been crippled by worry? Daunted by it? The irony of worry is this is that the things that are outside of our control, in turn, control us and keep us in fear. The other thing about worry is this. We spend huge amounts of time worrying about the what-ifs in life. A huge amount of time. And most of the time, Jan will have the statistics, I'm sure, But most of the time, the what-ifs never happened anyway. It's like, oh, what was all that waste of worry and effort? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? we could try that just for a moment could we, we just just have a moment of worry all right let's try really hard and worry for a moment and see if anything changes let's focus worry is it changing anything you know the only thing that worry is going to do it's not going to lengthen your life it's highly likely to shorten your life worry is a crippler and yet it is very real for years i know Personally, uh, my Achilles heel was um, a great anxiety and fear over finance and whether we would have enough to get by. And it was such a crippling fear, and I became conscious of it being. Such a crippling effect that it was affecting my family. It was affecting my attitudes. It was affecting how I was in the family, projecting fear and worry and concern onto the family. It was a huge issue. And then I think it was around about six years ago, I really came to a point of massive breakthrough on it. I'll tell you about that later on if we've got a moment, if we've got time later on. Often, we worry because we don't have answers. We worry because we can't explain what's going on. So many things are outside of our control. We love to know what's going on. We love to know why things are happening. We want answers. We love to know how things are going to work out. We love to be in control, but the reality is we're not, but we want to know. We want answers. In fact, these days, it's a very sort of answers are at our fingertips. I mean, how many conversations have you had this week where during the conversation, uh, someone says, oh, we'll Google it. In fact, this was only Friday night. and um, Joe and Alex came in and we we're having a conversation. And suddenly, let's Google it because Google has the answers. You can ask Siri anything. Answers are available. The trouble is the Christian life is different. You can't live the Christian life by Google. The Bible says this instead. The Bible explains that there's a mystery going on and a tension going on. The Bible says that God says, My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And so when we follow Jesus, we come under this umbrella of God who who says, my ways are bigger than yours. My ways are higher than yours. So there's mystery. There's some things we don't know. The Bible says this, we walk by faith, not by Siri or Google. We walk by faith. It is a faith walk. So If worry is such a commonplace thing in our life, how do we combat that? That's what Paul helps us to look at in this passage. Paul talks about a deep peace, a marie, a deep peace, something that's very deep inside, a a peace that you can experience. You might not be able to explain it, but it's a deep peace that you and I can experience. How do we experience peace instead of worry? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And I want to talk about the God who is a God who brings peace, a God who is the source of peace, of Jesus, who is the prince of peace. He's the one who can answer our worries. I want to uh, talk about the peace that you and I can have. And if you want peace, I want to give you that opportunity to receive peace. Some of you would have walked with Jesus for a number of years, and yet you're facing situations that do cause you worry. Paul doesn't say, that's naughty, stop it. But he does show us as believers how how we can attain or how we can get hold of a solution for our worries because it's not good for Christians to stay in that place of worry it shouldn't be the normal place and so we want to give an opportunity to receive peace whether you've been following Jesus or whether you're here this morning you've never received peace from God i want to talk about the peace that comes from knowing Jesus and give you an opportunity to respond to him paul had every reason to worry so, if we are talking about someone who might have something to say about worry and how to overcome it, it's Paul. As I say, he's writing this uh, letter from prison. He's facing real opposition. He doesn't know whether any day his trial is coming up. And he doesn't know in that trial whether he will be set free, left in prison, or executed. This kind of focuses your mind, eh? And if Paul is able to face that sort of concern and worry and uncertainty, and yet is able to find a peace and a joy within it, he's worth listening to. It's like, Paul, what's your secret? How do you do it? Because Paul is not just a super Christian, he's a follower of Jesus who's learned to develop these heart attitudes. And it's something we can learn for. What you find is that throughout this letter, and we've highlighted it. I remember that one very early on when Matty P. talked about um, how he looked at um, life circumstances and framed everything in his life through the lens of joy. And uh, so what you find is joy comes through this letter heaps, and peace comes through this letter. Now, both joy and peace... It's very easy to think of them as emotions. They're far deeper than that. Both joy and peace are attitudes or conditions of the heart. They're very close, if you like. There may be sort of uh, joy and happiness. Happiness is more of an emotion. Stuff happens. You can feel happy or not. Joy is an inside something that you can nurture. It can be a place you live from. And peace is similar. It's a place you can live from. And so you can be in the middle of a storm. Jesus is sleeping in the storm. That's because he's living in peace. He's got that condition, internal condition. He's learned to handle pressures with peace. Joy, Paul had, uh, Paul had learned to uh, uh, face life circumstances with joy. That's what comes through in the early part of the letter. He'd learned to cultivate Joy, a condition in his heart. And, uh, you know, rather than submitting to negative thinking and, oh no, what's happening to me? He would, had learnt to see life and have a mindset of joy. he quietened his heart, he'd quietened his mind with God's truth and God's peace, and that's where he came. He came out, he trained himself to be grateful. Uh, to be received from God and now in this passage not only does he talk about joy though I won't focus on that because we have had focus these other weeks he talks about peace Paul had learnt to live his life from a place of peace even when there was pain, difficulty and all sorts of things thrown at him he was at peace now you can, you can google it and find out where you get peace from And apparently you can get peace, and it's true, you can get a measure of peace of sorts by chatting with a friend talking about a problem. You can, in the middle of the day, glance out a window and get a lovely vista, and you can get a kind of peace. You can walk out in nature, and you can sense peace. Your worries can go away. Take a walk. Go for a walk. You'll feel better. But Paul is talking about a deeper than a glance out the window sort of peace. Paul is talking about a peace, the peace that comes from God, the peace of God, peace with God, peace that God gives you, peace that you get from God. He's talking about a peace that you can come home to even when everything is flying around outside of you. You can come home to peace, the peace of God. Your heart, so that's what we want to do. We want to look at that uh, because Paul seems to have found this secret. So let's have a look then. How does he say that we are to um, overcome worries? He talks about guarding our hearts and minds and about receiving peace. So let's talk about guarding your hearts. In verse 6, Paul says this Do not be anxious about anything, or as the New Living Translation says. Don't worry about anything. Now let's just sort of try that one out, shall we? What is Paul saying we're allowed to worry about? What are we allowed to worry about? Nothing. Nothing. There is like no room in that passage for. he says don't worry about anything. There's nothing that we're allowed to worry about. What does worry communicate? When we worry, what we are telling God and what we are telling others is that we don't trust him with the details. That's what worry says. It's what we're communicating when we worry is that God is shocked and overwhelmed by what we are facing. What we are communicating is that God's not big enough for what we're going through. The truth is, the things that Worry us, don't freak God out. Uh, you know, one thing that God has never said in His whole life—if He has a whole life—he's never used this phrase. Uh oh! You've never caught; He's never been caught off guard. He's never had something thrown his way that he thought, "What the heck do I do now?" He's God. And he's the one we can come to with our concerns and worries. This is what Peter tells us. Cast all your cares or your worries on him. Why? Because he cares for you. That wonderful passage we read out about love, about God being love and everything God is. He cares for you. He cares for me. He cares deeply for us. So the question is, so why do we worry about stuff when our Father God deeply cares for us. What are we to do instead? Paul says this in verse 6, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. If you want peace, what he's saying is come to the source of peace. Come to the one who gives peace. Have a prayerful heart. Train yourself always to have a Prayerful heart. You hit stuff, you worry, pray about it. He's saying, pray, come, talk to God about it, offload on God, and leave it there. He's saying you can leave it with Him. Bring your concerns, bring your worries, bring your requests to Father God and leave them there. Because the truth is this that when our future is unknown, we can trust a God who is known. As you follow Jesus for a while, know God is faithful. I can look back at my life, I cannot think of one time where God has been unfaithful. Therefore, when I face uncertainties, I can look back at his character. Unknown future, known God. A father who loves us and cares for us. It's good to train our hearts to know that. And what Paul says in the in the second half of that verse, he says by prayer, but pray about everything by prayer and petition, a petition, not partition, petition, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Or as the New Living Translation says it a little bit more simply, it just as this: tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. And I think that's a really good thing. You can bring anything to God. You can bring anything you like to God, but the secret that Paul says in here is in your prayer, in your sense of bringing concerns to God, remember to be thankful. Have a worshipful heart. It's like, be prayerful, yeah, but have an attitude of gratitude, a, sense, a heart that knows how to recognize things that God's done and everything he is and be thankful for it. Mix prayers and concerns with a sense of thank you for who you are, worship him for who he is, adore him. That's what Paul is saying here. Cultivate this. And maybe, certainly... I look at my life, when I'm worried, maybe it's because I've got my eyes off of the one that I'm to worship. Maybe I've forgotten to say thank you and show gratitude to the God who has provided so much. And I think if we can train ourselves to have this attitude, this worshipful heart, Paul's saying that's how we pray. In fact, you can't really pray without a thankful heart. That seems to be, you know, otherwise prayer becomes a shopping list. And Christianity is not about a shopping list to God. A God we don't know is remote. We just put in our shopping list and out comes things. It's about relationship. And it's about thanking him for how he's cared for us to date and now giving this concern over to him. It's about relationship. And Paul says this, if you train yourself to be thankful, if you focus... Uh, Sorry, if you train yourself to be thankful, you won't be always focusing on what I don't have. I think sometimes in prayer it's like, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have this, bring your worries. But actually, Paul says, no, be thankful. Thank God for what you have. Be grateful for what you have because it will inspire your faith for praying for the stuff that you haven't yet received. But focus be full of gratitude. Then Paul says in verse 7, so he says, Don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Give it to God. Give it to God. Then, verse 7, then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Or as the New Living Translation says, then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything else, anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Listen, when we pray, when we pray, it's not that everything about our Circumstances change necessarily. It's not you pray, your circumstances change to make you feel comfortable and happy. What Paul says is when you pray, you change. When you pray, you change because you receive peace. From God, the one you've come to, you receive His peace, and your perspective changes, and it guards your heart and it protects your mind because you've received peace from God. You change. Circumstances don't necessarily change. And Paul says this that's why I love the New Living Translation when it says, Then you will experience God's peace, you'll experience it. This isn't a, a peace, Paul says, that you can explain, you know, logically, da, da 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 No, this is deeper than logic, deeper than understanding, deeper than, like, why is that person experiencing such peace at now? It's beyond understanding. But that person is experiencing it. And God is saying, I want to give you such a peace that you can't explain it, but you can experience it. He wants us to experience peace. He wants our hearts to be settled when stuff around us isn't settled. People are searching for peace everywhere. seems like they're trying all sorts of stuff, all sorts of temporary fixes. The Bible says true peace is found in Jesus Christ. It says there's one source. What we need... Or what we all need. If you're catching up online as well, and you don't know Jesus yet, what you need is peace. Peace from God, peace with God. Peace that only God can give you. He's the source. And if we want to receive peace... We need to come to the giver of all true peace. So that's how we guard our minds. Let's move on to verse 8, because then Paul talks about how we guard... Sorry, that was guarding hearts, now we guard minds. Okay, we're moving on to that. Mm. Verse 8. Paul talks about guarding our minds. He says this, fix your thoughts. That's how the New Living Translation starts. Paul tells us the way to guard our minds. The way to keep our minds is in this verse. It's all in verse 8. In fact, he gives us eight things to do, or eight things that have permission to fill our mind. He says, if you, if you want your mind to come under this peace of God, then fill your mind with these eight things, and you won't go far wrong. In fact, anything that doesn't fit these eight, keep out. If you've got stuff in your mind that isn't one of these eight, kick it out. He's going, whatever... Whatever you do with your mind, fix your thoughts on these things. And he gives us eight characteristics which should define the way that we think, define the way that our minds work. He says it in verse 8, Fix your thoughts on whatever is true, honorable, and right. Whatever is pure, lovely, and admirable, think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's just not talking about a quick thought. He's talking about a meditate on, chew on it, feed on it, feed your mind with, focus your mind on these sorts of characteristics. Everything else is out of line for the believer. This will define us. This will give us a godly way to think. This will purify our minds. This will set us on the right track. You see, there's so much uh, junk that can fill our minds. Amazing, what you watch, what you listen to, what you read. There's so much junk that fills your mind. Paul's saying these eight things. Just these eight things would do you good. Because what you dwell on is what you become. Why does God say this? Well, because he wants our minds to be at their best. He wants the best for us. He wants our minds to be at their very best. That's why he says to focus on these things. Dwell on, feed on whatever is true, noble, lovely, pure, admirable, excellent. Just just feed your minds with it. You see, if you dwell on judgmental thoughts, what do you become? Judgmental. If you feed on negative thoughts, what do you become? Negative. If you dwell on impure thoughts, what does it lead to? Impurity. What you feed yourself comes out the other end. Do you want to be gracious? Then think Gracious thoughts and grace filled thoughts. You want to be loving? Think loving thoughts. That great passage from First uh, Corinthians uh, 13 this morning. Great passage. Fill your mind with that stuff. Fill your heart with that stuff. Product out the end is love flows. Do you want to be content? Then dwell on thankful thoughts. Nurture a grateful heart. And what you find is not only did gratitude come out, a contented heart also spills out. What you feed yourself is what you become. Paul says this in another place, Romans 12. He says, be transformed by renewing your mind. Or another version says, you'll you'll become a brand new person by changing the way you think when we cultivate his thoughts in our minds, Paul tells us this at the end of verse 9. He says, And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, when you fill your mind with God-focused things and godly things, you sense the God of peace with you. He just sort of, walks very close to you, but you become conscious of his peace and his presence with you. My story, just real quickly, about the um, anxiety which I felt I'd been... Well, not I felt, I knew I'd been projecting onto my family, to my kids, onto Jackie, my wife. Anxiety crippled me. And I got to a point where something's got to change. And um, I... I invited someone else to come and pray with me because I thought, I'm locked in this, I need to get free. And while we were praying, it became apparent to me that there was a doorway wide open in my life and it was a doorway of fear. And I saw in my mind's eyes, I saw, gosh, the doors open. I've let fear in. And I had to work out where I'd let fear in, why I had let this fear in. And I came to the point of repenting. I had to repent. This is what renewing your mind is. Think differently. I'd realized I'd believed wrong things about God, wrong things about how he cared for me, wrong things about his ability to sort things through, wrong things about me thinking that I had to have it all together and do everything. I had to repent of wrong thinking. And God touched my heart. It was a massive breakthrough moment. At the end of the prayer time, um, I remember this. I remember I was, I was looking for the door because they said, do you think that door's open or shut now? What, what's happened? You know, you've repented, you've cleansed your heart. And I looked, I couldn't see the door anywhere. I was like, I can't even see the door. Then I realized this. God showed me. It was like the father was standing in front of the door and my father was huge. He was so big, I couldn't even see the door. I couldn't even go through it if I wanted to because my dad cares for me. And I'll tell you this, six and a half years on, from that moment, I have not been crippled by worry or anxiety to the level that I was before. Freedom. Because hearts and minds were aligned with truth. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable and right, what's the right way to think? What's the right way to glorify God with my mind and my heart is to focus on who he is. It was a massive moment, and I'm so grateful to God. There was other stuff that was sorted out that day as well. We're all works in progress. I'm so grateful to God for everything that he does. (sighs) So let's just wrap up, really. Just, Just asking this question, and Sam, you might want to come. Just, Do you need to receive peace today? I'm not talking about magic wand peace a nice feeling sort of peace. I'm talking about this deep peace that comes from knowing God. You may be facing things. Maybe you've followed Jesus for, for, for a long while. And you know his faithfulness, but you're facing something which is causing you to worry. Don't deny the worry. Don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not like, stop it, that's sinful. Just stop it. You know? God's saying, no, God's encouraging us to be healed from worry. He's encouraging us to have hearts that are healed by him and aligned with him and receive his peace. You may be facing that. Maybe, you, maybe you're, you've never actually committed your life to Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what it is to give your life to Christ. You don't know what it is to receive peace from God. Peace with God. The Bible tells us how to receive God's peace. You know how to receive God's peace? It's another word the Bible uses, is grace. It's almost like grace is a gateway through which we go and enter peace. You can't just jump to the peace if you're out of sorts with God. You need to receive His grace. You need to receive His forgiveness. And sometimes the source of our lack of peace is that we're troubled with sin in our life we're troubled with stuff guys we need to receive the grace of god as we receive grace we receive his peace so whether you're following jesus or not i just want to give an opportunity to for us to receive peace this morning to receive the peace of god Can we just stand for a moment?